1: a big show. Jake Scott with you broadcasting live from our Zone Studios here at Vivint Arena. Lloyd Cole producing today across the glass from me. Jake Hatch is going to be along to help out as well. But uh, we're wasting no time. We're getting right out to the Uh, Smart Rain special guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that uh, 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Our first guest right out of the gate. Of course, you hear him every morning, alongside Patrick Kinahan on DJ and PK. You can see him on Talking Sports on Channel Two. He's very famous. He's our friend David James. David, hello. Hello. How are you, Jake? I'm good, buddy. How are you doing? Excellent. I'm well, uh, not as
2: good as you, but above average. <laughs> Better than I deserve, as Rod Decker used
1: like to say. Oh man, the great Rod Decker. You still talk to Rod?
2: Uh, not a lot, but as it turned out, I bumped into him Friday, and we had a good chat for like 20 minutes. It was awesome.
1: I've had a chance to hear him speak at a number of different uh, functions, and he's very funny. Do, do people know that about him? He's he's very funny.
2: I, it's underrated. He is funny. You're right. It's underrated. I don't think most people know. Hmm.
1: Well, David, thanks for jumping on. I, I I appreciate it. I know you're crazy busy today, and so I I just appreciate you uh, you uh, getting to it. I mean, you only do TV at night and radio during the day and meetings. I've always wondered how you function because you're not a coffee drinker. You're just naturally energetic.
2: <laughs> I'm wired wrong. I think that's what, that was a very nice way of saying that. I'm wired wrong. <laughs> well, power nap, shell. I got a good power nap today. About 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Awesome.
1: Okay, tell, tell me this. We're starting with napping. I love it. Uh, tell me this. How long is too long for a power nap? Because I can't just limit my naps and then I sleep too long and then it, it's, it doesn't help.
2: So it's funny you mention that. I just consider a nap a nap. And I had this discussion in the early days of my Salt Lake radio career when I was doing it. MJB in the morning with the Monson James and the Booner. And the Booner was quizzing me on this and said... You get a nap in? I said, yeah, I got two hours yesterday. He goes, you're not talking about a nap, you're talking about going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. His timing was excellent. So, twenty to thirty minutes is a nap. An uh, Hour to two hours is going to bed. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: I got you. Yeah. That yeah. that works.
2: I got to take, take him earlier in the day. A nap, even leaving like twenty to thirty minutes late in the day, will mess me up. Yep. For me, it's not so much how long I sleep as when. If I'm if I'm sleeping before two o'clock, that's no big deal. If I'm I'm falling asleep at five or six, uh.
1: I'll be up. All right, DJ, I want to get your take from the Jazz game uh, last night. I mean, I, I thought the number 1 story, obviously, was was Jared Butler and how he played. And if there's anybody at the moment that looks like they're going to play their way into minutes, uh, it might be him. But then uh, also Malik Fitz played great, and he's battling for that two-way spot. So a couple of interesting things from last night.
3: Yeah,
2: I think that those two guys in fours are the guys that everybody have got their eyes on as of week eight, to a degree. Um, but the acquisition of Whiteside and the acquisition of Rudy Gay, you know, stuff will have to happen. I think the thing with Butler and, um, and, and with anyone who can play uh, swing between the two guard spots, maybe plays a three, The Jazz have enough versatile guys, who gets the minutes when Mike Conley doesn't play? I don't think anybody listening to this believes Mike Conley is going to be playing back-to-backs this year. I think that's obvious. And, you know, so he's going to miss 15. What else happens? You know, does he have an issue somewhere? 20-25 games. Who gets those games? Now, along the way, other people probably get hurt. Do they get hurt at the same time as another stationed guy, so they're down two? Or do they get hurt when one guy comes back and another guy goes out? I think the purpose of these, certainly these first two games, and we will have to see maybe the next two preseason games as well, is to figure out, A, who gets first shot at the rotation, because you'll have to produce once you get put in it, and then, B, they need to make sure that they keep the right guys and let the right guys go, because you don't want to be on the wrong end of the Joe Ingles career arc. Ultimately, everybody is. You just need to make sure it happens as rarely as possible and that the player that they take on, uh, doesn't go on to be the runner-up and the Sixth Man of the Year voting, right? You want, on, you want to make it. You want to make If you make a mistake, you want to make it on a lower-profile player.
1: So here's what I find intriguing about Butler, real quick, DJ, and let me let me bounce this off you. If you, if you think about this Jazz team and the rotation, there's not a whole lot of room for roles right. for young players. There's just not. I mean, right now there's ten veterans fighting for an eight-man rotation, and so roles uh, are at a premium. On this team, and so you look at a you know look at a guy like Butler and say second round draft pick rookie you already crowded team, but here's where, what I think was interesting from his game last night. He beat his guy off the dribble, DJ. He beat his guy. Yep. He he got past him, and he showed the ability I think to initiate the offense. When when Michael Conley was not available last year, or heaven forbid, Joe Ingles and Michael Conley, or or Donovan Mitchell and uh-huh. Michael Conley, they were extremely short on guy. God- Guys who could beat their guy off the dribble—if he can do that consistently—I don't care how deep the rotation is, there might be a, a a a place for him to play.
2: Totally agree, totally agree. And like I said, I think we can all know there's going to be 20 to 25 games for him to play. And if you look at last year, uh, you know they're starting to rest Ingles back to back, so they there are ways to create more playing time and keep everybody fresh for the postseason because they've already finished number one in the regular season and got knocked out in the second round. You know, the priorities are postseason, postseason, and postseason. So if they can bring a young guy along and try to get him ready, I think they'll do that. So I, I think there'll be ways to creatively spot minutes and playing time if someone can prove they're worthy of it. You know, first got to earn the spot, and then you got to produce when you're in it. And a regular season will be harder in the preseason. But I thought that game – there were a lot of stars and starters not playing in that game last night. It didn't move like a normal NBA guy game. They're guys trying to make the roster, giving it their all, and it looked really easy for Butler. The game, it looked easy, so smooth between the legs, dribbling into a step-back three in rhythm, on balance. Man, it looked easy for him. You know, and the level will go up, and it may not look as easy down the line, but it sure looked easy in these first two games.
1: So Luka is a special offensive player. There's no doubt. I mean, you know, he was on his way to a triple-double if he played in the second half last night. You know, not that that matters in a preseason game, but he's special. I got it. On that side of the ball, as an offensive player. But are you buying Dallas? Because I'm not sure I'm really in love with the team they're putting around him, including Chris Stapps.
2: You know, uh, buying them for what? There'll be a playoff game. They might win a series. Uh, Win two series and get to the conference final? I wouldn't think so. No. Having said that, there were a lot of predictions last year that had the Jazz sixth and eighth, excuse me, the Jazz and the Suns sixth and eighth to the West, and they end up one, two. The Clippers got to the finals as expected, but the Suns were not expected to be there, and yet they got there and got to the NBA finals. So you're right; I wouldn't put them there, but man, predictions like ours haven't been wrong since last year,
1: right? Right. No, true. I just don't see the fit, honestly. Like is is I, you, I you you've got to have a player that's complimentary to Luka Doncic because he's gonna have his the ball in his hands the whole game, and you've got to have somebody that brings a little toughness and plays some defense because he's not gonna do that. And they don't. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm underestimating some players, but I don't see that anywhere on on uh, on Dallas. There's no
2: doubt you've got to have the star, but there's also no doubt that the star needs a team around them. Yep. You know they need other guys. They need the complete deal. And in the West, you know, there's enough good teams that if you're B plus, that's impressive. But I don't think it's getting you to the conference final.
1: All right, DJ, I have a lot for you, so I want to switch gears, and and we'll get to college football coming up. But I want to I want to uh, ask you about uh, Urban Meyer and uh, your thoughts on, on his future there in Jacksonville. I predicted it would be a disaster based on how he ran his college program and he was going to try and do that in the NFL and it just wasn't going to work. I would not have predicted that he would be uh, flaming out because uh, he was dirty dancing with a stranger in a bar. But what? where does this go? Did you think it would work in the NFL? Do you think he lasts last the year? What do you think?
2: No, I think that um, the intense over-the-top, control freak, my guy, my program way, that level of intensity that just doesn't work with pros. Lincoln Kennedy put it better than that this morning. He kind of summed up a lot of what I thought and then took it to the next level, and you can hear him at 1280thezone.com. Search uh, Lincoln Kennedy if you saw it right at the top of the page. Uh, But he was talking about, you know, the guys who are really program control guys largely struggle. The college and pro games take different skill sets. And if you have success in one, it doesn't mean you're going to have success in the other. We don't see as much of the pro guy going to college, although we see it, but we don't see as much of it because of the money. Um, But you do see it, and it's usually a struggle. You know, I didn't know this was coming, this distraction was coming, but they don't have a great team. They don't have a great organization. They've been to the playoffs like once in 14 years, Um, you know, and they're going to try to win with a rookie uh, quarterback. So – if they pull it off, you would think there's some building, you know, that this is going to be three years or so. And Urban's uh, pretty intense and tends to burn himself out. And I've never seen him go three years without winning. You know, he came into Utah with ten and two, and then twelve and zero, and was out. Uh, he had eight and three and nine and three at Bowling Green. I think he won nine games at Florida's first year, won the national title his second year. His first year at Ohio State, he was undefeated. This isn't a guy who's had to battle through a lot of losing to get to the winning. He's picked his spots carefully, and he's succeeded quickly. Nothing wrong with that, but this is a different deal in Jacksonville. College to pro, and you've got to endure some losing. So I, thought, I always thought it was an uphill battle. Some of the anonymous quotes from the players weren't good. As P.J. said, who are these guys to be popping off? Jacksonville lost 19 straight games. If uh, they lose this weekend, it'll be 20 in a row and the second-longest streak in NFL history. I think if I were the owner, I'd be in the locker room like, I don't want to see any more anonymous quotes. I don't want to see any more distracting videos. You just need to win a game. You need to win a game, and then you need to build on it. Everybody's getting paid a lot of money. A game is not too much to be, to be asked for. So, focus, people. Everybody. Everybody. Focus.
1: That's kind of funny to think about, right? The owner could go in there and say, you know what, I am going to cut every single one of you and I wouldn't do any worse. I could replace exactly. you with people on the street and I wouldn't do exactly. any worse. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's it's funny. a match. I can lose 19 in a row
0: without you people.
1: <laughs> Except for you, Trevor Lawrence. You can stay. You, you can stay. Yeah, you can.
0: agreed. Agreed.
1: <laughs> All right, DJ, I, wa- I want to ask you about Utah-USC. And uh, I'll say this, I don't know what to expect from the Utes. and they they honestly, if they showed up and they struggled, I would understand 100% based on what they're going through as a program. Just just difficult. So let me ask you the question this way. Would you be favoring Utah if it were normal circumstances in this game? Does that make any sense?
2: It does, and no, I probably wouldn't. I would probably put the spread right where it is at about three or four points. Mm. And these clearly are not normal circumstances. Obviously, you know, trying to recover um, and bounce back from what the you know, horrible tragedy they've been through twice in nine months now. I can't predict. Kyle got asked about it Monday. He didn't want to come anywhere near predicting whatever might happen. You know, he maybe has a better read having seen his team practice now for a few days but I think this game had a bunch of question marks, you know, three weeks ago. I mean, USC had already changed coaches. You know, Utah had the two non-conference losses, which are really unusual um, because they'd lost one non-conference game in a decade, and now they lost two in two weeks. And I get one was in overtime, but nonetheless, you know, they lost it. So I think this game had a a ton of question marks. I I think they'll hold on to the ball better than they did – just because I can't imagine they drop it seven times again and lose three of them and, you know, have a couple more that were ruled out. You know, the ball's out after contact, but nonetheless the ball was loose and it makes everybody nervous. I wouldn't think they'd go through all that again, but the offensive line play has not been great. But they're going up against the USC team, anonymous coaches in the Pac-12. What went wrong at USC? When they went to this offense, they lost their toughness. SC was always tough. That's out of an anonymous mouth of a Pac-12 coach. So can the Utes get that toughness and get everybody executing the same play at the same time on the offensive line and push USC around? Because if they do, then good things start to happen. When When Utah does that, they're a really good team. But they haven't been able to do that consistently.
1: So looking at BYU... And I want to I want to talk to you on the on the macro level. I know PK doesn't let you look ahead at the schedules, but I I I uh, enjoy that conversation. So let's let's explore that for a second here. Where does I don't think I don't think it's fair to expect BYU to go undefeated on the season. It's just so hard to do. I I wouldn't call it likely yet. When you look at their schedule, they certainly have games that they could lose, but they're also winnable games as well. So my question to you is where does BYU's loss come from, first loss come from?
2: Well, it could come as early as this weekend. It could, I mean, there are, there are question marks. I mean, I, I, I said, uh, like uh, let's see, when was it? Was it after the Utah game? Or the, no, it was after the Utah game. The ASU line came out, and, Utah, and BYU was favored over ASU. And I said, well, if they're favored over ASU, they're going to be favored every game until USC. And then we'll have to see when we get to the USC game where USC's season is because they've already had their coaching change and, you know, are they going to battle through it or fall apart? So they're going to be favored, but they're not going to be favored by a lot at Baylor. They're not going to be favored by a lot at Washington State unless you're a really good college football team. Back-to-back road games are usually a problem, you know. And now we've seen Washington State, if they have their starting quarterback, they perform at one level. If they don't, they perform at a much lower level. You know, are they going to be healthy in uh, two and a half weeks? Uh, Nobody knows that you know so i think i think october always had a lot of hurdles there was never a game you know in a lot of years you look at a game and you think okay this team's going to lose that game right but that that game isn't really on the BYU schedule in october but they're not slam dunks they're all competitive sure. and i think if you have to go with a third string quarterback who's only played two quarters of college football i think he can look better this week cuz now he's got two quarters of college football under his belt and if it is um, Conover. Then I would assume he got a lot more snaps this week and is a lot more ready. Uh, but nonetheless, he's a freshman who's played two quarters. The thing he's got going for him is Boise State's run defense is terrible. BYU's offensive line is very good, and BYU's running star running back is very good. And I think Katoa could hurt the Boise State defense, but Algier could destroy it.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I I think it's a fascinating rest of the schedule. And like I said, I don't I don't think BYU's going undefeated, but. I mean, they've, they've got a, yeah, you're right. I mean, they're going to be favored going forward. It's, it's, it's going to be a fun rest of the year for sure.
2: The, the cool thing about playing seven power five teams is you're not going to end up with a lot of just easy slam dunk victories. You're not going to end up with the bottom end of the G5 where it's totally overmatched. I mean, I don't know what Utah State's going to do the rest of the season, but I got a lot of confidence in them against UNLV. I got a lot of confidence in them against New Mexico, and I got a lot of confidence in them against New Mexico State. Hmm. And for BYU, they got Georgia Southern and Idaho State. So there's two games I think are slam dunk. But beyond that, there's a little doubt in every game. And I would much prefer to go into games with a little doubt, a little excitement, than absolutely positively knowing how the game's going to go.
1: What happened to our Padres this year, Deej?
2: Oh, you had to drop a deeds on top of the Padres. <laughs> just doubling down. You're, trying to, you're trying to hurt me. No, I'm not, hurt me. I'm not.
1: I'm not. I'm not. Well,
2: I think if you had, I think if you had to say one, there, there's two things. One, uh, which I think is the easiest one, is they had too many injuries to pitching. Clevenger, they knew, was out when the season started. They lost multiple guys along the way. And so as good as their pitching looked, that's never really, they never really had it. Um, and having said that, even though I didn't think they were going to win the division in early August. In early August, they were 17 games over 500, and I thought they were going to be a wild-card team, probably on the road and not great odds, but they'd be there anyway. When they didn't get Max Scherzer in that deal, and not only did they not get him, but he went to the Dodgers, uh, they were, I think you could check it, but they were 66-49, and 49, I think, which means down the stretch they would have gone 13-34 and 34 to finish the season. That is atrocious. That, and so I think we didn't get Scherzer. We had all these high hopes. We can't do this. I don't know that they said it in the clubhouse, but I sure think they thought it, and maybe some people said it. Who knows?
1: And meanwhile, Lloyd's across the glass with the Giants fan, a triple A roster that somehow wins 107 games. I mean, come on. Come on. <laughs> uh, okay.
2: You know, the joke in San Diego for the last decade has been that the Padres have a quadruple-A roster. That They have major league guys. They just have the worst major league guys. And, and it's quadruple-A. You have to at least give the Giants a quadruple-A roster. I get that they punched above their weight. They absolutely did. You know, but come on. they of Buster Posey. He's not a triple-A player. You take that back. You know you don't believe that.
1: How old is he now? And they
3: got three guys that are still from those World Series teams Yeah. That are playing good, too. That, are, that, are,
2: oh, that, counts, that counts for some leadership and some belief and some faith, but they I mean, come on. No they were they were a five hundred ish team, best case scenario. Nobody was talking about them maybe winning ninety.
1: At least they're and not a they below five hundred and then
2: they they blow past hundred to one oh seven. I mean that's unbelievable.
1: I, I totally agree. And and it's unfortunate because I thought this was our year with the Padres. That we're going to be good.
2: Uh, Well, PK said to relax. Next year was always going to be the year. Because next year Clevenger will be back from Tommy John surgery. And all the guys who had different issues over the course of this season. Um, I think you Darvish deserves to tip the cap. I think he was pitching through something we don't know about. Because his numbers got awful and they didn't pull him. So I think in the clubhouse they know. There, there was something going on there. He's, I don't believe he's 100% healthy. But, you know, he's a big leaguer, and he's not going to complain about it. And he takes his lumps, he takes his lumps. So good for him. But, um, you know, hopefully he'll be bringing it next year, too.
1: I know you got to go, but PK and I were talking about this yesterday. Do you remember now we got a water fight, now we've got a food fight, now we've got a real fight? Let's go nope, back inside.
2: Totally, for- totally forgot it. Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs>
1: I I really wish. Oh, I know the Raiders are on, Lloyd. I saw DJ's tweet yesterday. Yes. Oh, yes. really? Our Raiders I are, it then. are on. DJ selected the Raiders for us. <laughs> Our influence finally <laughs> paid off. You can thank us for that by yeah. the way. Yeah. Yeah, Raiders Bears this Sunday.
2: Yeah, I think I'm not 100% sure what's going on. Fox has the double header. I think they've got the Broncos in the early game on Fox 13. Oh, I think. I'm not probably going to them. check on that. Can't
1: I can't get away uh, from. It, uh, no.
2: They get get great ratings. Now, here's the deal. You talk about a team that had three wins you knew they were going to win, and then if you tell me Bridgewater's getting knocked out of the Ravens game in the first half, I don't think there's any chance the Broncos win. There's a team that's played 3-1 and and has played four really predictable games.
1: Hmm. All of them on television.
2: Uh, that's not true, uh, I know. They've, they've been off TV. I've I, I got to put that out next week, like through five weeks, who are the most televised teams. You know who is really Utah's team? The team that keeps finding their way onto TV one way or another every week is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. i I got to check, but I think they're five for five. And I know last year there's like four or five teams that were on 12 or 13 times. Nobody was on more than that, I don't think. I don't think anybody got to 14. And it was Raiders, Broncos, Buccaneers, Chiefs, and I, I can't remember if the Cowboys were on 11 or 12 times. Huh. But it was, it was totally predictable. And when you think about it, you're like, wow, oh, the NFL, as much as everyone focuses on this one game, this one TV window, the NFL's thinking, we're going to put 14 teams into most markets, right, with seven games, or I guess six games, 12 teams into most markets. How do we make sure we get the most important teams on? Whatever network, whatever time slot, make sure Tom Brady's on TV. They do it.
1: It's a TV. Sports are a TV show, man. That's that's the thing. Yeah, they they find a way to do it. You're you're totally right about that, David. Thank you very much. We'll be listening tomorrow morning, of course, and and watching on uh, Channel Two and talking sports. All right, I'll talk to you. See you, buddy. All right, that's our friend David James. Big thanks to him uh, for jumping on with us. That is a great way to start the show. Love talking with DJ. Uh, We are going to be very, very busy today. Christian Cox is going to be on the show uh, coming up at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. At the top of the 3 o'clock hour, uh, we're going to have a guest. He covers USC um, and may have my favorite name ever. Shotgun Spratling is going to join the show. That is a good name. That's a great name. Yeah, he's going to be on. He'll give us the lowdown on uh, what to expect from USC, which... If anybody knows what to expect from USC, a guy named Shotling would. You better believe it. Or shotgun. You better believe Shotgun's going to know. You bet. Coming up top of the three o'clock hour. So stay tuned. It's the big show on a Thursday, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone.
0: This is DJ and PK. It
1: is time to bring in Nick Ford right now. The Youth
2: Center. I gotta feel like your football team should be thinking we got a legitimate chance here because it's so unpredictable to go down there and get the first win in the
0: Coliseum. Yeah, exactly. We do understand that, and we understand we're getting the conference play, and that you know we need to really bite down and go as hard as we can and empty the tank because we are wanting to know the opportunity is still on the table. I think it was back in 2006, Green Bay talked about turning the table, and that's the same mentality we are right now you, sometimes you don't start off as hard as you like but as long as that table gets turned in your favor and you continue to turn it then you gotta keep running with it catch dj and pk mornings from 6 till 10 on 97 5 the zone and the zone sports network
1: Show. Jake Scott with you. Band of the day today is The Killers, selected by Lloyd Cole and brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. For the latest tour news and artist insight, go to LiveNation.com. Any particular inspiration, Loiter, or You were just feeling like it. No, I happened to be listening to some Killers the other day, and I was actually listening to it a little bit here and there. And so I was like, yeah, you know what? Let's go with The Killers. I never really got into The Killers, but I feel like people that are into The Killers are like all in. Well, you know I thought I mean? about
3: going with the Ramones, but then we looked in our system. We didn't have a ton of stuff. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I want to do a little sedated. And I was like, oh, OK, there's not a lot on here.
1: Well, that's all right. Uh, the killers no, are fine. Killers, like, uh, very know, I popular. I wasn't a little killer lately. that's yeah, all right. Um, I wanted to bring up this story. We'll get back to uh, talking jazz and college football, which uh, we talked at great length with David James. Big thanks to him for joining us in the last segment. Lloyd, have you been following this breaking story today about 18 former NBA players, including at least one former jazz band? by the way? Captain Crunch. Milt Palacio. Um... I don't know. I, I read through... Actually, well, yeah, one former Jazz man. I read through some of the other players. Most of the players involved in this thing were, were journeymen that bounced around. Uh, big Baby Davis. Uh, Tony Allen was another big game, uh, big name. Sebastian Telfair. Uh, but anyway, today, 18 former NBA players were charged with pocketing around $2.5 million illegally by defrauding the league's health and welfare benefit plan in a scam that uh, authorities said involved claiming fictitious medical and dental expenses.
3: So let me calculate this real quick. $2.5 million between 18
1: players. Doesn't feel like a lot. Doesn't seem like a lot of money, but, right there. But here's the thing: fraud is fraud. I, I'm I'm taking a few things uh, from this story because because really the 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 crime is significant. You know, in these sorts of things, they're all, they're defrauding and stealing from other players. And so the NBA provides healthcare for its players, obviously, and healthcare going forward. That's that's what this is all about. And so when you do this sort of thing, you're, you're, you're stealing from other players. So I, I do think that uh, regardless of the price tag, this is a big deal. But I thought, you know, they, this one piece I was, I was reading at ESPN, and let me see if I can find it. Um, they talked about the, the total amount of money that these, uh, these players generated while they were playing in the NBA. And it was, it was significant. It was over a hundred million dollars. Oh, let's see here. Uh, the eighteen players combined to make three hundred and forty-three million dollars in their on-court NBA careers. Now, here's where I'm going to jump to some conclusions, I suppose. But typically, when these frauds and things happen. It's less about greed and more about desperation. Does that make any sense? Because we 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 see how much money these guys have. You think if you have got you know millions of dollars in the bank, are you are you defrauding your your medical plan for thousands of dollars? Like we looked up some the
3: the money that some of these guys had made. Like Darius Miles had made like sixty five million somewhere right around there through his career. Right. big baby was around 35 million something like that. Yeah. Like you think going you're
1: like well, these guys should not be out of their money. But a lot of a lot of athletes find themselves in def- desperate circumstances and I I think that's the bigger Issue at hand when I read stories like this, and and it sounds like these guys are going to get prosecuted. I mean, the bad news for these guys is is the the feds generally don't bring charges unless it's a slam dunk, so to speak. Boo. Get it, Lloyd? As a former coworker of ours used to say all the time, get it. Um, so that's probably not good for them. But uh, I think you know. At issue, I I think the NBA and other sports leagues as well have have done a good job taking strides and rookie symposiums and those sorts of things to uh, uh, to help players navigate what can be complex waters when it comes to financial situations. Like a, a a big part of these issues is these these players go from making literally nothing to making millions overnight, right? And so that brings on all sorts of problems. I I. Somebody brought this to my attention once. From a, a tax situation alone, it's unbelievable because you you don't have anything set up for in order to give yourself a better tax position. You're paying the full boat right out of the gate. Whereas your typical millionaire works its way up and then you know figures out different ways through charities and I'm going to borrow here and do this where they can you know lessen some of that tax burden. These MEA players have none of that. They just go to well, guess what? You're you're in the highest tax bracket. Congratulations, and there's nothing you can do. About it. And all of a sudden, you know, half that dough is gone right off the top because you don't have the infrastructure to help you manage that at very least. And I'm not talking about trying to duck your taxes, but of course, we all know that there's different ways that you can put yourself in more advantageous positions. So, you know, we we envision the the cars and the houses and the clothes and the parties and and all of that certainly exists. But there are a lot of other issues too where You know, think about this. uh, I I heard this story today, Lloyd, of of people going through disastrous lottery winning situations, like people who win the lottery and it turns out to be the worst thing that ever happened to them because all of a sudden, you know, all that money is gone for various reasons and they actually end up in debt. And there there was one story where uh, uh, a... Woman won the lottery, divorced her husband immediately. Her husband found out that she won the lottery so sued to get that money. Did win, got the money only to have his brother try to kill him to get that money. Like crazy crazy stuff, right? It Professional athletes go through that. Can you imagine if if you're from a family that is is just a, a normal middle class family? You know, you you grew up in a community where uh, you know everybody was was together and connected and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, somebody goes uh, overnight to making millions of dollars. And on top of that, it's public. It's public. Everybody knows. You can open it up and go. Oh, geez. Well, Lloyd is making fifteen million dollars a year. That's where I need to go to get the loan to start my. Burger company. Um, people come out of the woodwork left and right where it's like, hey, remember when uh, I uh, I did you this favor back in uh, when you were 12? Well, guess what? I'm starting a new magazine. I need I love an you investor. to be a part of it. You know? <laughs> like stuff like that where people who are in their early 20s are not prepared to manage that, right? And then a lot of them don't get good advice or don't hire the right people. I mean, you know, you hear us do spots for, for Trajan Wealth all the time. uh t r a j a n trajanwealth.com. Um, but but the point is is we talk about a lot is is 100% true. You've got to find somebody you trust. You've got to find somebody that knows what they're doing and you've got to find somebody that has your best interest at heart. Look look into look into Bernie Kozar's story where his own father robbed him blind blind his own dad and i that's why i oftentimes shudder when i see parents get involved in management and all that stuff with these players cuz it's like you're not getting you know you're not getting independent advice when your dad is your agent well, this one's in it is in sports, but I think of like Britney Spears. She has no access. to Oh her man, money. that's that's it's, a whole different can of worms. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's but that's, that was not of her choosing, right? Which is <laughs> which is an interesting right. discussion. Yeah, mm. uh, but but I mean the point is is that did, were her best interests represented by the people that were supposed to be representing them, and I do have sympathy for athletes because we can all look at it and go, "You blew how much money?" And listen. <laughs> It's true. It's a, it's a lot of money. But they are all of a sudden I guess my ultimate point is is people in their young 20s who are not equipped to deal with the issues that come with all of a sudden overnight being uberly wealthy and we're surprised when these young people do not navigate those waters correctly and that leads to desperation where all of a sudden you're defrauding a health plan because you see an opp- uh, opportunity to get an extra 10 grand and i'm not saying that all these players i don't i don't know any of their individual circumstances i'm saying that it that's what the message it sends to me because i do believe most people are trying to do right by the world and not everybody wakes up out of bed in the morning like how can i scrounge up an, a, a nickel today regardless of the law or morals you know i don't i don't think most people feel that way maybe you lloyd but I've known you for a long time, and I think you're the exception. It is so easy, by the way, for uh, and we get you know,
3: you just maybe think of this. It's it's easy for us to be you know, in our mid thirties or in our forties, whatever, and be like we we've become a lot more responsible. We have families, and it's like it's hey, different. be sharp with your money. We have a different you know, person, Yeah. The thing yeah. is, had I been twenty one and had this yeah. all this money or I'd whatever, I would be like, yeah, hey boys. Let's go to Rome. Who wants Whatever. a job? Who, you know, who <laughs> wants a job? Yeah, who just let's just, take let's take a yacht out somewhere. Let's right. buy this big boat, right? And just go around. But like it's so it's it's understandable, you know. It, it really is. But yeah. it's so many times I find myself being like, "Wow, how did you do that? How did you blow through sixty-five right. million we all, dollars?" We all have that how did reaction. You do it?
1: Yeah, I I would encourage everybody to. do, uh, And what was the there was an ESPN documentary? Well, it was called Broke. Came out probably what Lloyd ten years ago something like that where they they examined this very issue and people go oh how could they possibly do it well it's very possible <laughs> and they have many athletes who tell you exactly how it's possible and they approach it as a cautionary tale it's a really good it's a really good documentary I don't know where you could find that stuff anymore it's probably on the Hulu Plus Peacock something I don't know whatever it is Peacock but something you yes can, you can probably you can find, find it there you can find it there <laughs> on the the Amazon or the Nile or one of those uh, streaming services you could probably, but it's really good. But that was my first thought when I saw this story is, is okay, some of these guys, and, and a lot of them are journeymen, you know, where maybe they were living like they were an all star, but they're being paid like they were a rotational player. You know and what Neil I mean? Palacio, I think he only made like 2.5 million or something like that. And maybe it was career,
3: four, might right. have been four. Like four so, million total in his career so.
1: and and that's not an excuse but you do you I, I do think you look at stuff like this a little bit differently when when you say okay this this isn't just greedy people trying to add to their already giant bottom line uh, it's it's people who've probably been through some stuff and so are making bad decisions because they think it's the only decision to be made but it is you know you can't do it and they're just robbing other players, and that's not acceptable. So, difficult story. Difficult story coming out today, certainly. All right, we'll have more coming up next. Don't forget that uh, Shotgun Spratling is going to join us. And uh, uscfootball.com, is that that's correct, Lloyd? Uh, an affiliate of 24-7 Sports is going to join the show to, to preview the Utes and the Trojans this weekend. Christian Cox will be on the show at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Stay tuned. Big show, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone.
0: Ready, 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 ready. It's game week for the Utes and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes look to pick up their first ever win in the Coliseum as they hit the road to square off against the Trojans of USC. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 5 o'clock with the post game show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the post game press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Then 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
1: sky with you-975 and 1280 the zone stay tuned we're gonna preview Utah USA uh, USC with shotgun spratling covers the Trojans for USCfootball.com it's coming out the top three o'clock hour hey, Lloyd this this urban Meyer story I'll tell you what it, it is it is very bizarre but it's unearthed some interesting things I saw Shelly Meyer quit Twitter today so I'm sure she's been seeing some 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 interesting responses. That's probably best for her, by the way. I would uh, I think
3: I'd get off all social media. Oh yeah, just can't do it. oh like, man. Yeah. Stay off, stay off your phone.
1: Don't just don't do it. Going going somewhere else. But I I don't know how I missed this in August of 2020. Maybe we had more important stuff on our mind back then. But I it I stumbled across as I was reading about Urban today, I stumbled across a segment he did for the Big Ten Network. On August eleventh of two and thousand and twenty, I'm not kidding, what. So he's 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 on the segment remotely. So he's from home. Have you seen this? Uh, you know what I'm talking I think about. So the reflection. Yeah, there's a mirror behind him. Did you see this at well, the time? It's like like there's a
3: screen. No, I don't remember this either. I just saw it. And today. I think he's like. I think he's actually like on a boat.
1: <laughs> it looks like a, I guess. Well, there's a reflection. And Urban's talking about football. He's football, football, and then some more football. And all of a sudden, you see on this reflection in the background, some shirtless, like, middle-aged guy... (laughs) <laughs> Comes into the room, and Urban Urban kind of keeps it together, and he's he's talking very serious and uh, and football and 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 more football, and that's all I have to say at the moment. And then stops, and the, the anchor or whatever for the Big Ten Network starts talking, and Urban starts mouthing at this guy like, "Get out of here, go go! What are you doing? Go!" <laughs> and it just begs the question: What's going on in Urban Meyer's personal life? What what's happening? Well, I haven't heard the audio. I've been I, I
3: meant because I saw it the other day. I, I've been meaning, but I people replied on the audio that there was a sound that sounded like some sort of bong sound effect that was on. No, the, on the video. I
1: listened to the sound and didn't I, hear hear hear, I okay. didn't hear anything. that maybe but, uh, maybe
3: there wasn't, but I meant to go listen to it and I I, I kind of forgot about it. So
1: but. so, Urban Meyer's middle aged buddy is. Coming into the room and I have no idea. smoking grass while I have no he's idea. on national television?
3: <laughs> get out
1: of here! Get out, get out of here! <laughs> Why is there what? some random
3: half-naked man who coming is, into your who room? Who is this person? And you can make out the guy like pretty well, actually. Like I don't know Absolutely. who he is exactly, but you're like, wow, that's a really detailed like
1: reflection. And he is not wearing a shirt. No, he's not. And he is not wearing a shirt. Which I guess is legal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you. Can, you can, there's nothing against I guess not wearing a shirt, but it's it's odd. Listen, Bob, I'm on national TV. Can you give me a minute? Can you not what? smoke your weed and walk in here without a shirt? People could see you. <laughs> like you know, Urban is
3: doing a hit of some sort. Why are you even going in there in the first place? What are you doing? I I don't know. Uh, but I'm guessing that guy was probably
1: never to be heard from again. I don't. I don't know. I'd like to know a few questions. I'd like to know who he is. I'd like to know why he's not wearing a shirt, and why he didn't notice that he was reflecting in the background of a nationally televised interview, or why he thought going in there the, it was a good idea at the very same time. Hmm. Urbo, what's going on? What are you up to? What are you up to, Urban? Stay tuned. We're going to talk uh, some football with Shotgun Spratling. Coming up next, he covers uh, USC for uscfootball.com. Stay tuned. More next on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone.